Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. Absolutely. My name is Tony. My name is Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. And Dita Rooney. Oh my gosh, Becky. I have been seeing so many posts on the various anti-social media about towing. It seems to be a really confusing and very hot topic always. (laughs) Yes. And one of the things that people don't understand, they always see, you know, my Flibomber Hamba Jabba pickup truck. That's a new brand, don't you know? Oh. It can pull... It says 8,000 pounds. So you're like, oh, my trailer's only 5,000 pounds. I'm good. My trailer's only 7,000 pounds. I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you might be, but you might not be. Unless you actually weigh anything. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's the thing I don't think people are understanding. And I think part of that is because they see the tow rating as a number of pounds a vehicle can tow. But that's just one factor in towing. And we have a really terrific episode on towing, and I'll put a link to that in our show notes. But one of the things that is ignored frequently is cargo carrying capacity of the tow vehicle. So your tow vehicle, whatever it is, whether it's a one ton, whether it's a heavy duty truck, or if it's a Prius, it is rated to carry a certain amount of weight, period. That's what it's rated for. And the trailer, if you're towing, obviously, the fifth wheel or the travel trailer adds weight to the truck in downforce, in pin weight or tongue weight on the trailer. And that has to be calculated into the amount of cargo you're allowed to carry in the tow vehicle. So if it's you and your wife and Fido and a generator, and a cooler, and wood for the fire, and blah, blah, blah. That could easily be close to the total amount of weight you're allowed to carry in a half-ton truck, believe it or not. Right, and then you don't have any room for plates and bedding and food inside the camper. Well, or even the camper itself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You may actually be, even with an empty camper, and let's say your truck says, oh, I could tow 10,000 pounds. You have a 6,000-pound trailer. You literally may be overweight with no trailer whatsoever. So listen to our towing episode. It's literally critical for safety if it's not something you really know well. And there's a towing calculator there. So, okay, let me let me put this soapbox back because I don't want any of you to, to get injured or get in an accident or be unsafe out there. So be safe, folks, and tow properly. And remember that it's not only about how much you can pull, because you can pull, (laughs) I mean, little car can pull a great big amount of weight for a short distance, but if you want (laughs) to stop, if you want to stop and you're overweight, that's when things get kind of crazy. Yeah, that's another factor. So there's a lot of numbers. There's a towing calculator. You can put all of your own numbers in and see how safe you are, or if it's time to either lighten your load or beef up your toad. (laughs) Anyway, we have got a really cool set of guests 
today that we have indeed totally found them through serendipity too it's so bizarre (laughs) Um, so we'll be right back and we will tell you that story and and bring on our guests so we'll be right back we love being part of the largest club of RVers with events, rallies, tours, resources, and more. And you can be too. That's the FMCA, and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. Now any RVer can join the FMCA and enjoy their fantastic benefits. Yeah, like chapters where people of common interest gather and go on outings and adventures together. It's a great way to meet other RVers who share your interest or location. But there are other great resources too, like a beautiful magazine, forums, videos, tutorials, and so much more. And don't forget the incredible programs like Medical Assist, where the FMCA is there for you in the event of a medical emergency on the road. Yes, and we signed up for the FMCA's Roadside Assistance, which specializes in RVs and offers towing to the nearest qualified repair facility, no matter how many miles away it is. It's a great optional program that's been part of the FMCA for years. Plus, of course, we've got a good deal for you. New members can save $10 on an FMCA membership. We've got the details and more information on this terrific organization on our discounts and deals page at StresslessCamping.com. Join us and other RV enthusiasts at an upcoming rally or gathering and save money in the process. Now Now that's that's Stressless Camping. camping. We are back and, and, you know, we just heard about the FMCA and I will say that at a lot of their conferences, which there's one coming up in Gillette, Wyoming, there is a gentleman who weighs your RV for you and he puts a scale at each wheel. So just another reason to join the FMCA. Yeah. So serendipity. I've been following abandoned and forgotten places on YouTube and really enjoying them. And as you know, we have this new feature about RV parks. So I called out to an RV park and I said, are you interested in being on our podcast? Yeah. Get to talking. And I end up talking with Mr. M. M. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, wait, 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 who is Mr. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, but that just shows how, and so here's these dudes I've been following on YouTube and through serendipity, I end up chatting with one of them. And, and so anyway, they're fantastic guys. Their passion is to go to abandoned and forgotten places, and that's a lot of mines. Yes. And so they go exploring these abandoned mines. And, well, listen to this if you have any interest in this. So anyway, here we go. I'm just going to shut up and and roll the tape. (laughs) You might remember a while back that we talked to our friend Sandy Thewitt, and she did a little bit of gold mining and what she loves to call treasure hunting. And she likes to go out camping and do that. And now we have met a couple of guys who took that a little bit to a different level. So today we'd like to introduce you to Gly Coolness and El Magnifico, or Mr. (laughs) M as we call him. And we are going to talk about abandoned and forgotten places. Welcome. I'm going to give it to Gly because Gly started Abandoned and Forgotten Places on a real dream. I got to sit and watch Gly. He was overcoming treatment for a cancer that was going to kill him. And he was watching people exploring mines. And he thought that he liked to do that. He always did ever since a young kid. And he thought maybe he could do a better job of producing it. And without stepping all over him, I'll, I'll give him to you in a second. But I got to sit and watch this man step by step do exactly what he outlaid in his plan. 
to do. And uh, it's been it's been a thrill to work with him. It's glycoolness. coolness. Well, thanks, Mr. M. Yeah, this whole idea, well, this whole thing started in the uh, early 1980s, and uh, abandoned mine exploring was a hobby of mine, aside of uh, fireworks and pyrotechnics, of which I eventually turned into a career. But the whole abandoned mine thing was something that I could use to kind of escape from my career. So I would go out on the weekends and crawl into these old mines, and I just had all kinds of fun with it. So you know, just 20 some odd years later after my career was over and uh, I got, I ended up getting cancer and I beat cancer and I'm still in remission, but I wanted to go a new direction in life and abandoned mine exploring was something I always wanted to revisit and, and do really, really well. So when I was going through my cancer treatments, I was looking at what everybody else was doing on YouTube with abandoned mine exploring. And I, and I said to myself, wow, you know, if I can never get out of this chair and if my health ever gets better, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it better. So I took a lot of different elements from different band in my exploring channels, and I incorporated those into my channel. And then from there, I just continued to step it up with increased production quality, better cameras, better stability, et cetera, et cetera. Better B-roll camera operators. Yeah, yeah, and turned it into what you see today. And then uh, about three-quarters of the way through, that's when I met Mr. M., and he really took interest in this, and he absolutely loved it. He loved the adventure, and over a period of time, we became really good friends, and then we decided that, hey, why don't you hold a camera? I mean, I could certainly use some B-roll, <laughs> and we got another camera, and he started capturing all of my B-roll stuff, which really elevated the production quality of the videos. Right. It was great, and then it got even better, guys, because the interaction between him and I was a whole lot of fun. We're able to play <laughs> off of each other's words. We have the same kind of backgrounds and sense of humor, and that's why one day, sitting at a Denny's, chowing down on pumpkin pancakes, <laughs> he came up with the idea, hey, let's come up with another channel called Abandoned and Forgotten Footage, and we'll make it all about all the behind-the-scenes stuff of Abandoned and Forgotten Places. So we, we did just that, and holy cow, it took off like crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. The reason that this is so interesting, the genre is relatively new, and there's really only four people between the United States and Canada that are doing this professionally or semi-professionally. And there's two different ways that you can document abandoned mines. You can do it for your own personal satisfaction or gratification by, you know, putting a GoPro on your helmet walking into a mine, okay? Or the, the other way of doing it is making the mine the pure focus and documenting the mine for everybody else, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's the direction that I decided to go. I wanted to make it not about me, not about me exploring the mine, but I wanted to make the show about the mine itself and why these places exist. How come the miners did what they did and why did they work so hard dropping in these holes? Yeah. The spaces, some of them are just so tiny. And I don't know, I really enjoy watching the exploration mm -hmm. of mines, but I don't know if I'd want to go in there. <laughs> I have a hard time sleeping. It's interesting the relationship that I have with Glyde because I follow behind him as he goes into places that are just, I think, you know, I mean, oftentimes I'll sit on the other side and just wait to feel the blast of air <laughs> because he touched something off or because he, I, he crawls under something that just looks too shaky to me. And I think, you know, if both of us are in there and that thing lets go, 
then we're really in trouble. At least if I hang right here and let him go ahead and do this uh, nonsense that he's continuing to do, <laughs> then uh, at least one of us will be able to uh, tell the authorities where his body is. Yeah, sometimes I sit and just watch them and think, my gosh, are they going to survive this? And then I think, well, if they didn't survive it, there wouldn't be more episodes after yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine how, how scary of a show we could do if it was just radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, really, where you use your imagination. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-huh. How do you get into going? I mean, you know, the mines, there's all these signs that don't go in here and it's dangerous. And Say a disclaimer, Gly. Okay, so abandoned mine lands as well as BLM in cooperation with different organizations such as the Forest Service and so on have started, it's called the Stay Out, Stay Alive campaign. And that began, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, somewhere in there. And it's a very successful campaign because indeed, if you don't know what to look for in these places, they could hurt you or you could even get killed. These types of places have everything from rotting timbers to fractured rock that could give way at any moment. Bad air. They have bad air, hydrogen sulfide gas, carbon dioxide, lack of oxygen. The list goes on and on. And if you don't have any kind of experience on how to look for these things and what could get you in trouble, you very well could find yourself in trouble. There's a lot of stories where these types of things have happened. So I hope that people, I I want people to watch my videos, but I don't want them going out and doing what I do, okay? Now, there's some professionals out there in the world that are parts of various groups and clubs, and they have lots of experience like I do. Those are not the types of individuals I'm talking about. I'm talking about your weekend warrior explorer that goes out with his friends and sees this hole in the side of the mountain and thinks that it would be something cool to go into. Well, if you don't know what to look for, like, you know, faulting, fault gouge, groundwater penetration, et cetera, et cetera, it only takes a moment and it'll change your life forever. Yeah. So as much as I love to show these places to the world and show all of this history that's been hidden for a hundred years and no one has ever seen these caverns ever, I always promote abandoned mine safety and please everybody stay out. Stay alive. Agreed. Stay out. Stay alive. Well, just subscribe to your YouTube channel and enjoy it vicariously. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing there that uh, that I saw Gly do. Gly answers his comments on his videos. Uh, the first day that he posts videos, he answers people. And I read them because I answer these people too. And the number of people that are living vicariously through Gly and through me and the people that are going through the things that they're going through right now, sitting in a chair someplace having chemotherapy done or a loved one or a friend or everybody's got something going on right now. And to just live vicariously and to get into the Jeep, get into old Bob with Gly and I and head off down the road. We hope it brings a breath of fresh air to everyone especially those that are living vicariously through us. Yeah, Mr. M's correct. And I always read the comments. I try to read most everything. And I listen to my subscribers because over these last two years, they have ultimately directed the course of the channel. They offer suggestions and, you know, we would like to see more of this or please talk more about the geology, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I've taken all of those notes over time and I've incorporated them into the production they're just absolutely loving it. And if there's anything else that, you know, they would like to see, please, by all means, uh, put a comment in the comment section. I read them, I listen, 
and I incorporate those ideas into the show. We understand that 90% of the people are asking for more of me. So we understand <laughs> that. <laughs> That's funny. They've asked Peggy on multiple occasions if she had a big old roll of duct tape she could put around my mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Glenn threatened me. You know, uh, there's been a couple of times uh, just for fun. I had someone else holding the rig, and Glenn was shooting his intro, and I walked right into it. And I could tell he was a little bit miffed, but he wasn't so miffed that he didn't use part of it. <laughs> Always trying to steal the show, Mister M. <laughs> How do you find these old mines? Is it word of mouth, or I know a lot of them are mapped, but not all of them. It's voodoo. Well, yeah, the way that I locate these places is somewhat proprietary. I would rather not give out the details of that, but the information does exist in public record in various areas. I've been doing this for such a long time. When I was finding these locations, even before the internet, I would use old maps, you know, topo maps and things of that nature to try to locate them. But today in the information age with the internet, if a person tries hard enough, you can hone in on some really excellent locations. But it does take a little bit of work. Mine only takes about 40 seconds. Gly gets long-winded. Don't let him get into the blah, 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 blah. He won't stop. For the biggest part, I've got to say what we look for once we're finally looking at a location is we're looking for a place that has no roads to it, not even hardly a foot trail you can pick out, that has an yeah. enormous waste rock pile and a bunch of stuff laying around outside that we can document mm -hmm. that doesn't look like a place that Clem and Sally take the kids for a picnic. Right. And mm -hmm. those, those are the money shots. Those are the ones that have the stuff that's uh, museum-type pieces and just beautiful, beautiful stuff as it is. And Bly prides himself, and so do I on my show, on leaving things exactly how we find it. We'll document it, but we don't steal it. We don't bring it out of there. We don't try to sell it. We leave it there. Even times when we know that we've rappelled down 400 feet, and gone another 1,750 feet in one direction and then gone down 80 feet of ladders and we see something that weighs two tons down there mm -hmm. and it's been there for 100 years, we know it's never going to see the light of day again. But we leave it right there, and it's nice to be able to document it. Right. It's amazing the machinery and tools and all of that, that you look at how these things got there. Well, first you have to think, you know, they were put there 150 years ago. You know, now we just call FedEx and they come with a truck and blah, blah, blah. But in those yep. days, getting some of these things that are 10, 20, 30 tons out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And you know they place the order in the middle of summer when it's 120. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you see this equipment. That's something that just astounds me is just the weight and scope of some of this mining equipment that is out there. What astounds me is the men that did it and the conditions that they lived in while they did. Yes. Yeah. It's horrific. Gly and I get to walk in. It's almost like every time we go into one, it's like a time capsule. And yep. we get to see the last chip marks at the face of the attic that they were busting away, mm -hmm. trying to get enough stuff together to where they could get it into town and they could get enough money that they could mayhaps get some beans and some whiskey. Yeah, that was it. Right. And most of them never did. Every place we go is just nothing but shattered dreams after another. Except for we just did one uh, yesterday, right, Gly? Yeah, yesterday was absolutely incredible. You'll be able to see that. This isn't a teaser. I'm, I'm just saying that yesterday's mine was such that the folks that went into it, they were clearly a mom-and-pop operation. 
they had a huge waste rock pile and a long, deep incline shaft, and they had it collared all the way down, and they were into it. And it's nice to see that. Somebody actually hit it. That's yep. good. Well, it's probably a lot like the lottery. You know, a lot of people are trying to win, but it's only a few that do, and the ones that do make the news, and that's what makes everyone else go, well, I want to be yeah. just like them. Well, they did it. I'm going to do it. Well, we didn't talk about the million people that didn't do it. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. funny. There's a ranch by where our Sticks and Bricks house is, and those people made their quote-unquote fortune selling supplies to the miners. That's where the real money was, is, oh, yeah. you know, Absolutely. food and tools and all of that stuff. This mine that we found yesterday was absolutely incredible. Usually these places have been picked clean by weekend explorers over the last hundred years. If they're easy to find and easy to get to, most of the time there's absolutely nothing left. But now that we're taking the channel in a new direction, we're using ropes and rigging to go down these really inaccessible and dangerous shafts. We're just finding incredible artifacts. Um, We found stuff yesterday from the Prohibition era whiskey bottles laying all over the place, the canteen. Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on. The whole entire adventure, I had goosebumps and the excitement. You can, it's just palatable. I mean, I can't wait for the world to see this episode and what we found down in this mine. It was just unbelievable. And the summer is just starting. We're just getting going, rappelling down into some of these super dangerous shafts, but I can only imagine what we're going to find the rest of this summer. It's going to be over the top. Oh, we can't That's wait. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah On my cause, show. Cause, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Glide. We'll keep talking about your show all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about what other kind of crazy things that you found inside mines, like, you know, whiskey bottles and... We watch the Cerro Gordo videos, and he's always on the search for Levi jeans. Yeah, Levi jeans are are really valuable. When I was working with Frank Schlichting from Exploring Abandoned Mines out of Canada, he found a whole stack of Levi jeans at the Castle Dome Mine down in Arizona. The owner of the property didn't decide to sell them. He has them on display down there. Really super cool, but that was probably the best thing I've ever seen found in an abandoned mine because they were in near pristine condition. He found them at a depth that the pack rats and mice don't go, and they were semi-buried under rock. That's why they look so nice, but they still had candle wax on the pants. Wow. Because back then, the miners didn't have carbide lanterns. They used candles. They mined by candlelight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, these Levi's were covered. They were covered in candle wax, and everybody got real excited about it. Heck, even even Levi corporate flew out to come take a (laughs) look at them. So, yeah, that was the coolest thing I've ever found. But these mines are filled with all sorts of interesting things, from ore carts to skip cars, shreds of newspaper from the late 1800s, early 1900s. I've seen just about everything. The only thing I have yet to find is, in any of these holes after 30 years of exploring is human remains. That's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna, though. Your odds are, eventually, you're gonna find one, huh? We're hoping. I mean, we hope not. (laughs) I hope hope not, but the odds are, if you drop down into enough holes, you know, you just never know what you're gonna find down there. People throw away a lot of things in mine shafts that they think will never be seen ever again. Well, not so much. (laughs) Seriously, though, Gly, if we were going to go by numbers and odds and stuff like that, we certainly wouldn't continue to do what we do. Right. Right? Right. Gly's got 100 documented mines on YouTube. 100. 
And yeah. that's out of the thousands of them that we've been in. Yeah. 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 And what we do, it's kind of like, it's kind of like running through five lanes of traffic going 75 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then when you get to the other side. Yeah. Trying to get to the other side. And before we go into any one of these places, you always have to wonder in the back of your mind, is this going to be the one where something crazy happens? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can usually barely sleep the night before we go on an adventure. And then the night of the adventure, I do sleep, but I wake in the night and I have a couple three nights where I sleep good. And then I start worrying about the next one. that we're going <laughs> into. It. Yeah, because these <laughs> mines are, I mean, some of them, there's been cave-ins and as oh. you said, rotten timbers and oh. some of the yep. ladders, you look at the ladders that they put mm-hmm. in these mines and they're Rickety would be a nice way of putting it. You know, the enormous stress yeah. that Gly's putting onto the ladders himself. You know, anytime he goes down a ladder, I know I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Mr. M. Thanks. <laughs> it's mostly because of the uh, Buzz Lightyear gear that he's wearing. Uh-huh. He's normally wearing about 70 pounds of equipment. Oh, wow. I never realized it was that heavy. The man's an animal. (laughs) Yeah, I get in there. I get pretty darn excited, and uh, I pull out what Mr. M has coined my gorilla move. If I see something that gets me real excited and I want to get in there, oh, I just go after it, and I just can't stop myself. I'll rip and tear through old wood and rock, trying to squeeze through a little tiny space, and uh, you know what? Sometimes... The payoff has been spectacular. We found one in Arizona. It was just incredible, but yeah, it was highly risky. <laughs> he to looks, say the least. Looks like a five-year-old tearing open a Christmas present on <laughs> Christmas morning, like a tickle me Elmo or something. Something he knows is in there. Man. It's pathetic. It's easy to get caught up in the moment. It's easy to get caught up in the adrenaline, that feeling of discovery, knowing full well that no one has ever seen this. There's never been a camera on it. And then when I get back and I start reviewing the footage, it hits me again as I'm starting the editing process on how I can present this to the world for people to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I just really get a thrill out of that, too. And that's where we all benefit as the audience is if you have any interest in the cool Western mining world, this is the channel to subscribe to because the stuff that you find is just, it's just amazing. And the West is littered with these old abandoned mines. Some of them pulled out millions of dollars of ore and as you said a lot of them were you know people saw those big mines and said oh i could do that too well not always yeah and they were dangerous and and all of that but man they're cool Indeed they are. Yeah, we are just having the time of our lives doing this and and bringing it to the world. So many people have done a fantastic job over the years documenting topside artifacts and things of that nature, mill sites, ghost towns. And in and amongst all of those great documentaries, there's vertical shafts and, and adits that go inside mountains that people just chose not to go into because of the danger factor. And it's my goal to pull that veil back and just push the audience right into these deep, dark holes and show them what's inside. It's just going to be some fantastic stuff in there. Hey, you want a factual tidbit? Okay. Sure. 70% of the nation's gold comes from Nevada. Oh, oh so yeah. even still. There are over 200,000 mines in Nevada. 
Still active? No. Oh, okay. About 200,000 recorded. Uh-huh. And 11% of the world market gold comes from Nevada. Wow. wow. And yet they call it the yep. silver state. Talk about misbranding. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, right. they get a lot of silver, too. Yeah. Yeah. That transition occurred when technology in cyanide leaching and heat leach, the heat leaching process, got better and better. For example, one of Nevada's largest mines is out by Round Mountain, and the amount of material that gets heat leached on a daily basis out there is just phenomenal. And that's ultimately how they're able to recover these vast amounts of gold and wealth through that process, and that's what has driven those numbers up. Pretty cool what they do right behind them, though. Within six months, the area that they had worked is covered in indigenous plants and it looks like they were never there. Huh. Yeah. Yep. They contour it to how it was in the whole bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we need the gold. I work with some gravel mines here in our county, and they have similar requirements. They're going to keep probably tearing the hill down for another 100 years. But in the end, when they're done, they have to make it look as though it's natural. Yeah, they reclaim as they go. And that's how today's mining is so much different than the old because back in the old days, they didn't have that level of regulatory. Right. You could just go to a place, dig a hole, and walk away, and that was the end of that. But these days, you have to bond out areas to be mined, and then you have to reclaim them in order to get your bond money back. So these mines have incorporated kind of a leapfrogging reclamation process within their plans. Yep. That's how they're able to do what, what they do these days. It's um, come along a lot. Right. Yeah, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. When you find a mine that you want to go explore, is it always just a few hours away from you? I, I'm guessing not because they're spread out all over the place. So do you actually camp while you're exploring? We never camp on site. What I do is I move into an area. First, what I do is I get out my maps and I recon the area. And I try to find a spot where there is a whole bunch of mines within about a hundred mile radius of an RV park or a camping, you know, an RV facility. Uh -huh. And then from that location, then we just stretch out like spokes on a wagon wheel and explore all the mines within that hundred mile radius. And then when an area is used up, then we move on to another and find another RV park. That's excellent. Yep. And just leapfrog our way between uh, Nevada and Arizona, just like that. Terrific. Sounds mm -hmm. good. Well, man, we really appreciate your taking some time above ground with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to mention, then when we are on location in this part of Nevada, we stay at Goldfield RV Park. Yeah. Do you? And that's something else. So we will be right back after this break, and we're going to look at Goldfield and the surrounding area. So we'll be right back. We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way to do that. Safe, secure, and a great way to start stressless camping. So check out RV Share on the discounts and deals page on our website today. Well, we are back and we're in Goldfield, Nevada, and we are going to take a look at the Goldfield RV Park. And I believe 
there's a gentleman there, Scott, who who runs the the place. Yeah, that that would be me. I'm oh, Scott. hi, Scott. Oh, hi, Scott. Hi, folks. <laughs> hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing finer than frog hair. How are you? Doing great. <laughs> so, Scott, tell us about Goldfield. And I know one of the cool things about around you is a place purported to be, if this is your thing, the most haunted hotel in the U.S. Eek. That's right. That's the Goldfield Hotel. I've been through it in its entire Goldfield RV Park sits at the top of the hill and has a commanding view of the Goldfield Hotel and actually all of downtown and the highway that comes into town. It's a 280-degree view. You need to see the beautiful graveyard and the whole bit. But the haunted hotel is haunted. (laughs) Sure is shooting. I know people that have seen things in there that they can't explain. And so I went in and through it and all in the basement and the old stairwells and some of the purported rooms that there's supposed to be a lot of activity. And I didn't really feel anything like the hair didn't stand up on my back of my neck or anything like that. I didn't hear any screams or blood curdling howls or anything like that. And nothing flew across the room. Well, that's good, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. What other attractions are there in Goldfield? Well, the mining district, you can drive around out in the mining district and look a lot of beautiful headstocks and workings. You can see tailings, piles and things. For as far as you can see, you can follow old railroad beds that used to go from here to Las Vegas and here to Tonopah and plenty of stuff to do out. Yeah, if you do four buying, there's the Bureau of Land Management opens up right off of the Goldfield RV Park and that takes you out into miles and miles of desert and there's donkeys and snakes and antelope. (laughs) Oh my. There's a hot spring out there. Ooh, I always like finding those. Yeah, well, this one's been found. Three, four years ago, there was hardly anybody ever there, and I spent quite a bit of time there. And now it's really pretty popular because yeah. of social media and stuff like that. Right. But, yeah. There's a channel on YouTube where there's a young lady from Nevada who finds hot springs. and But she's pretty good about not telling where they are, but it's not difficult to follow her and, and find out. Sometime back, a friend of mine and I had explored an abandoned mine, and we documented it. And when we came out, we had a little sticker on our windshield from her. Oh, really? (laughs) Wonder hussy. I'll I'll give her a cheap shot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's. I like her channel, too. Yeah, my wife likes it. We were quite surprised to exit that mine that day, and here's a sticker on the windshield of Better Bob, which is uh, Scott's Jeep. Where you thought you were in the middle of nowhere where no one would ever find you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, we, and we really were. We were in the middle of nowhere, and we thought Randy was pulling our leg. Randy is another gentleman that tags along with us on our adventures, and we thought he had put it on the windshield, but we learned later that, indeed, just just by pure coincidence, huh. she was in the same area that we were documenting this mine, and she, she put it on the windshield. But that was pretty darn funny how that all played out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's retired now, but she was a professional model. Right. Right? That's what I hear, yeah. So you might have walked out and gotten an even bigger surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried doing that on a previously failed YouTube channel. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't go over too well. I got pulled real quick. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so back to Goldfield. (laughs) So there's also Rabbit Springs right by the RV park, and you can walk about a sixteenth of a mile up the hill, and you can fill your jug with some drinking water that's like 9 pH. Really? Yep, and they say that uh, cancer can't live in a pH environment. So... 
I drink water with pH in it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. How many spaces do you have there at the RV park? I have 10 sites, and they're all supposed to be pulled through, but there's trees that are growing around the whole RV park, and so it makes pulling through a little difficult on like three of them, and they're called out on the website. There's 50 and 30 amp services at them, and I have a really crummy Wi-Fi service. (laughs) If you have to, like, send out an SOS to somebody or something like that, it might do, like, SOS. But I wouldn't expect any big paragraphs to be going out from (laughs) there because we're in the middle of nowhere. We don't try to upload our YouTube videos from there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, unfortunately, no. But the town's great. There's the Mozart Tavern right in the heart of town. And Jenna owns it. It's got a historical bar in there. It's been operating since, I think, 1906 or something like that. Wow. And people that drink and people that don't drink alike meet there. There's decent food at it. And it's kind of the central hub of the town. There's a cool visitor center in town that is only manned by somebody a couple days a week. But there's only 186 of us in this town. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has time to go volunteer at the volunteer center, especially during these times. You can look through the windows and stuff at it, but the Goldfield <laughs> Hotel's there. The haunted Goldfield High School is there. Beautiful courthouse built in 1906, uh, 1907 firehouse right downtown. I'm sitting here looking out the window at them all right now. <laughs> That's really cool. People come into town. There is parking right in the center of town at the visitor center, and they can park right there. And then it's just a short walk, maybe a block and a half through ruins and other things to the Mozart Tavern. Sounds like I'm doing a commercial for the Mozart <laughs> Well, but if it's a cool place to see, it's a cool place right. to see. It is. Scott, don't forget to tell them about the Florence Mine, one of the oh, yeah. coolest landmarks in the area. Oh, yeah. Insanely cool. There's a gentleman here that owns the Florence Mine, and they give uh, his son gives tours of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, they, they, I don't think you get to go very far in the ground or anything like that, but you get to see everything up top and how it works and which direction they were going and old drawings and the type of equipment that they were using at the time. And it gives you a pretty good appreciation for the people that were actually, you know, doing these tasks and building these things. It's pretty incredible. That sounds neat. So you Mm -hmm. can, if you're really into mining or just want a taste of it, it sounds like you come and stay at your RV park and you can go and do a little exploring, but in a safe way Mm -hmm. while you watch your videos. No, absolutely. Yep. There's, there's miles and miles and miles of really, really great stuff. And you know, this time of year, okay, being as we're in the desert, it's usually not very vivid in its colors with, you know, bushes and trees and shrubbery and flowers, Mm -hmm. but it's turning into flower time right now. And my wife and I like that quite a bit, just tooling around out there and looking for the beautiful reds and the yellows. And then wondering how this plant is able to survive in the first place. Yeah. You know, it just really, uh, I love, my mother used to call it uh, the tenacity of life. It's amazing. And for anybody who doesn't appreciate the desert, you you haven't been in spring because it's just amazing. Right. You have to look a little more carefully, but what you see is insanely incredible. There's just a feeling in the desert that's, I don't know, I, I love... Peggy's the one who really got me into it. She's been a desert rat for years. Nice. Yeah. It's a way of escaping. It's nice to just kind of break away from that city slash suburbia kind of life. And you just can walk out and there's nobody around for miles. Yep. You get a lot of peace and solitude from that. Uh, Exactly. It's really a nice experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's healthy. And how far are you there in Goldfield from you know, the big city, what's close by as a landmark somebody can point to? Well, the big city to us 
means that it has a store. <laughs> There's a Rayleigh's Market and a bank and several other nice establishments in Tonopah, which is 26 miles north of here. Okay. Okay. The Tonopah and Tidewater Railway. <laughs> but if we have to go to like Costco or anything like that, it's Las Vegas or Reno. Okay. And that's three and a half hours or four and a half hours. You're kind of midway between those So you're two. midway, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We're like right, kind of in the middle. Actually, I think I remember looking, and you're not that far south of Walker Lake. Is that right? Well, yeah, I suppose about two and a half hours. Yeah. We drove right through that area yeah. last September when we went on a road trip and didn't realize what we were missing. Yeah. We just happened to be driving along, you know, where are we going to stay tonight? And we saw Walker Lake, and so we stopped there. Then when I looked up where Goldfield is, I'm like, oh, gosh, we... We drove right through it. It's a funny thing about Goldfield is a lot of times when people show up here, everyone in this town is like a misfit in one way, shape or form <laughs> in a good kind of way because they all have some sort of genius with them. They're all engaged in some <sighs> really cool fashion. I, I, li uh -huh. I like the people in this town. I really do. I'm not just saying that so they don't blackball me or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's neat. When you have a small enough population and every one of them has something worth noting, that's right. really cool that you have a high population of interesting people. The first thing you see in everyone is their idiosyncrasies and their quirks. <laughs> and once you are able to see that, then you get to see the magic. Right. And that's got to be what the old mining towns were like. It took a, a special soul to mm -hmm. drop, you know, quote unquote, civilized life or whatever, and go out into the middle of the desert with real temperature extremes and dig a hole in the ground, hoping you could, you know, yeah. make your fortune. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of souls, guys, Goldfield, Nevada has one of the coolest cemeteries you'll ever see. Oh. Tell them about that, Scott. Well, there's part of the of the cemetery that's separate from the rest of the main cemetery. It's it's uh, well cared for by the town folk. If you live in Esmeralda County, you get to get buried there for free, hmm. and they take care of your grave in perpetuity, oh. which wow. means that your site will be taken care of by the town's folks forever, Wow, which is kind of a nice thing. Yeah. That's unusual. Isn't it? I know. They had to make a new law to do it. Huh. Wow. Uh -huh. Interesting. Yeah, this is, I think, one of the only counties in the country that has that stipulation. Huh. Huh. Was passing that law quite an undertaking? Oh, I don't dear. think so. <laughs> uh, quite the undertaking. Yeah, yeah thank that. you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I missed that one. I've been working graveyards so long. I'm sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> What's neat about this cemetery is as you walk through, most of the grave markers have a little plaque that explains how the individual passed. Oh. And so when you go look at all the ones from the early 1900s, you see that you know, a lot of miners died from the pneumonia, etc. When back then they didn't know what silicosis was. Silicosis mm. was breathing in the dust when you're blasting and drilling. Yeah. But a lot of the markers say, you know, died from pneumonia, etc. So it's real interesting to walk along and read all those different plaques. It's fascinating. And now that we know more, we know that it probably wasn't just pneumonia. It was probably silicosis. 
That's right. Yeah. Yep. But wow. you know, there's also a whole string of them in there. 1918. Oh yeah. 1919, and it's pneumonia, 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 pneumonia. Oh and boy. Kids and children and grandpas and all that stuff. And yeah. that, my friends, was our Spanish flu. Yes. Yeah, it was the last time we had a global pandemic. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's marked in that graveyard. You can see it in one of my, my newest videos on YouTube, Abandoned and Forgotten Footage. It's called, right. I think, uh, well, I don't even remember the name of it now. <laughs> well, we'll put a link we'll to it. We'll look it up and, yeah, the, we'll put a link to notes. that. And then if you're into any kind of level of modern art, some folks put together what's called the car forest. Oh, yeah. that's uh, they, right. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's a real popular attraction here. They buried a bunch of cars. They spray painted all these different mural, murals and designs on them. It's, it's really cool. And the road getting in there is really nice so everybody can enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of like a Stonehenge type of thing, but like yes, Carhenge. Carhenge. <laughs> Carhenge. And don't forget to tell them about the snake races, Gly. Oh, boy. The snake races, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Tony's going to make sure he misses that. <laughs> yeah. Well, legitimately, in the county that we live in, they have earthworm races on 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a lucky guess all right <laughs> people literally do come in for that yeah it's funny it's the wildest thing <laughs> somehow i knew that about you <laughs> <laughs> you guys this has been such a thrill to be able to talk to you and learn so much wonderful stuff about mining and about goldfield and about snakes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, thanks for letting us come on your show with you. Hey, thank, thank you, you so for much for here. your time. And we encourage everybody to enjoy mine exploration vicariously through your channel, which is outstanding. And we'll put links to those channels in the show notes. That's most kind of you. I appreciate it too, guys. This was a lot of fun. Indeed. It and really hopefully was. our paths will cross sometime in the real world. And uh, we'll, we'll put a sticker on your windshield, too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. That sounds great. We'll be on the lookout for Bob. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <That's> right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. All right. Thank, thank you both you. for being here with us. All right. Yep. Have a great Take day. Take care, guys. Okay. Have, a, have a great day. You, you too. as well. Hey, and I'm really glad that you are in remission from cancer. Yes. Oh, yeah. thank you very yes, much. But you. look at what, you know, not only you have benefited, but what you've brought to all of us. We're grateful on more than one level. Yes. Me too. <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. We all will right. see you on YouTube. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be dusty if you go out exploring mines. Boy, isn't that the case? Your clothes are probably going to get dirty. Yeah, indeed. And you probably don't want to wear all your clothes if you do that, because there's always a chance you're going to tear something or whatever. So you might want to wear the same clothes over and over every time you go into mine. Hmm. Or what if you find $100,000 Levi's down in that hole? Well, there's that, and you want to wash them up? Uh, it's probably you don't. Probably you don't. Anyway, but what we're getting at. To, <laughs> if you want to wash your clothes more often so that you can keep wearing the same things and not ruin your whole wardrobe, we have an idea for you. Yeah. So we shot a video, but we... You know, obviously, we have a 19-foot travel trailer. It's a small trailer. We are going on this two-month-long road trip. And I was thinking to myself, Self? Self? Instead of bringing a lot of clothes and having to wash them a lot on the trip, what if we just bought a washing machine? So we went out on the uh, quest on the old tubes of you and... 
looked at the various washing machines and we found one and it is the super deal dual bin washing machine so i watched some videos and i was amazed at watching the agitation and washing function of this it's a 160 dollar cheap washing machine basically yeah but it worked really well it agitated back and forth back and forth which is a little alarming in the very beginning because you open the lid to watch it agitate and it stops but what you find out is it just is pausing to turn and go the other direction so yeah. it kind of spins this way spins that way which is just what you want to get things really swooshed up in there yeah and it, it did a really good job with the clothes washing and a surprising job with the spinning it does not dry the clothes but they're spun so water free in other words you pull them out and they're not dry but they're but they don't drip you can hang your clothes up on a hanger now and let them air dry and they're not going to drip all over the place the machine really got rid of all the loose water or whatever (laughs) (laughs) the free roaming water so 160 bucks it's 26 pounds it fits in our bathtub and that's you know we fill it with the shower head and we have a whole video on this so i'll I'll link to that for those of you who keep asking us for more youtube videos we are gonna be doing we bought a whole (laughs) new recording rig so you'll get to see our faces more whether that's a good thing or a bad thing (laughs) i don't know but there you go Anyway, this thing, uh, you will see that the idea is to bring very few clothes on the long adventure and just wash more frequently. And we can do it kind of passively so we can record the podcast or write articles or all of that and let the machine do its thing. Take a nap. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so last week we asked you if you have a seasonal site and what you love about it. And what we found out is everyone who answered doesn't have a seasonal site. I think that's more of an East Coast thing than a West Coast thing. I truly do. I think you're right. And the only person that said they ever had one, they did once in like 1987 or something, and it wasn't for them, so they don't do it anymore. So I guess that answers one question. Do you have one? (laughs) Yeah. But if I had any specific questions about seasonal sites, you apparently are not the audience to ask. Well, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I just was curious. So... This week, I'm curious, <laughs> what is the most daring DIY do-it-yourself project that you've done on your RV? Oh, man, I hope you have pictures. <laughs> and I hope it worked out well. But Well, yeah, hopefully these are all success stories. The reason we ask is for the next two days, we are going to be doing a bunch of stuff to the travel trailer. We're right. going to be installing an RV soft start. We're putting on a new awning and we've done some things like i've made curtains and turned the dinette into a day bed if that's your most daring thing go you but i'm just kind of <laughs> curious took the couch and sold it at the rv yeah. dealership <laughs> we've done some pretty wacky things but i'm just you know i just always love to see how innovative people can be with making their rv exactly what they want it to be so that's my question show me your most daring, hopefully successful DIY project. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you know, but I know, and now you know, that we do a once a week newsletter. I know. And it's free. It is free. We talk about not only our own stuff, we have some new articles. Oh, uh, now I, I don't remember if I mentioned this. On our recipes, we now have downloadable, printable recipe cards too. That's right. So that's something we've added to the recipes on the site, which most is kind of cool. 
some of the recipes. Yeah. Still working. <laughs> Still working on it, but we're getting there. Yeah. Peggy promised to do one new recipe a week. So if you get to a recipe and you want to download it and it's not there, feel free to let me know that I'm slacking and I will get on it. Yeah. Also, if you have questions, we've answered a few RV questions recently through email. And the way to get hold of us, the way to find us on the internet, all of that stuff, you start at stresslesscamping.com. And that's where you can find our social stuff. You can contact us. You can listen to the podcast you can read the articles you can see pictures of us i don't know why you'd want to but you can all of that stresslesscamping.com there's nothing you can't do yeah there's lots well, of things there's you, lots you of can. things you can't do yeah <laughs> lots <laughs> including be rude or unkind yeah, in do our that. facebook group yeah we don't like that we will mitigate that that's something <laughs> and so speaking of our facebook group that's where the question of the week is and where you can weigh in get your questions answered as well so on facebook that's the stressless camping podcast group you know we are in all the social places as i mentioned so again start at stresslesscamping.com where you'll also find discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you need on your stressless camping adventure and hey, if you've got a great deal or an idea for our audience, let us know. Use that contact us button and tell us all about your deal or a deal that you're aware of that we might be able to share with the rest of you. And if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free. It is to subscribe on any podcast app because we're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. And if you would take a moment and write us a review, that is so amazingly helpful for us. Yeah, it helps Apple. Well, it's on Apple Podcasts, so write the review on Apple Podcasts, which has been heavily updated and, and rather screwed up recently. Um, <laughs> Great. But, yeah, oh, yeah. Those reviews actually tell Apple that people are listening and like the podcast, and that helps Apple justify telling others to listen to the Stressless Camping Podcast, which they have been doing in droves lately. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, thank so, you and welcome to all the new listeners. Yeah, write a review and get Apple to do the rest of the work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you are out there enjoying this wonderful country of ours. And while you're doing so... Happy camping! We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! <laughs>